You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. Well, hello, Griot fam, and welcome back to another episode of Writing Black. Um, you know, I'm excited by all the people we feature on this podcast, but this one is, I'm, I'm, it gets me in the feels. All right. You know, I was a huge fan of This Is Us from the time it came on to the last episode. And we have one of its writers here, uh, Ebony Freeman, who, you know, actually, I shouldn't just say writer. You've been a story editor. You've, you've done so many, you've worked in so many capacities with this, you know, groundbreaking hit show. Just breathe. Come on now, breathe with me. just wish that I could make time stand still. It's the first time in 36 years you've said the words, he's my brother. So thrilled that you're here with us. I think you might be the first screenwriter that we've had on the podcast, and which excites me as well. It, TV is such a big part of my life, always has been since I was a kid. Um, so we're going to jump right in. Is it true? I was looking at your IMDb page. And yeah. is it true that this was like your first major gig, like being on This Is Us? Yes, that is very true. <laughs> um, I basically was my first staff writing gig. I was previously before that, I was working for Fox Sports for like, it was almost 10 years um, before I broke into the business. I had been writing um, pretty much since I'd graduated undergrad at the University of Michigan. I'm from LA originally. So I moved back to LA. I was like, I'm gonna make it as a writer. And you know, <laughs> I thought it was gonna be like, one year, maybe two tops, and and it just, you know, it takes time. And uh, yeah, I started out writing features um, and then transitioned just like, you know, I thought, you know, I wanted to be mostly a feature writer. Okay. Eventually, you know, got really interested in television because of what was happening in, the, in television at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, there was like scandal and how to get away with murder. And I just felt like the stories that I wanted to tell were more suited or it was happening more in television. Um, and so, yeah, and moved into that space and uh, got into the Sundance Episodic Lab in 2016, 2018, got the gig on This Is Us. So that was like the trajectory. I mean, that's a tremendous trajectory though. <laughs> I mean, that's a big deal, um, especially because I mean, I mean, this was this is us was already on in 2018, I, I believe, correct? So you were you knew yes. what you were walking into. So the fact that you were getting hired to be on an already hit show is a big deal and says a lot about your skill. Um, you know, one of the things that always struck me about this is us, and, and I think, you know, when I look at like the fan base, like the fan base that I know, the black fan base that I know, I, I think we'd all agree is that this is a storyline that could have easily kind of sat in that pocket of like, you know, especially in the treatment of black characters could have sat in that pocket of like white savior stories, you know, mm -hmm. with this black child adopted by this white family. And yes, obviously everybody on the, on the show has, has their storyline, but what attracted you to this particular show? Like what, what was it about? I mean, obviously aside from the fact that it was a hit, but <laughs> yeah. what, what excited you about the stories that you would be able to tell um, yeah. with these dynamics at play? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I joined in season three, um, at the beginning of season three, and I was actually, you know, a huge fan of the show before I went in for the meeting. And, you know, writers know, like, a lot of the times you go out for staffing gigs and it's like, shoot, I've never even watched it. Let me catch up with seasons one, two, three, four, five, you know? um, But I actually went into the meeting. I didn't even need to prep in that particular way because I had been keeping up. I was a super fan. I know knew the characters. And I think the reason why I was such a fan was because I, you know, it's just one of those shows where they're telling stories that really just, I had never seen told before. Like there was a story um, with Deja and hair loss and I've experienced hair loss myself. And I remember watching that scene when, Beth is doing her hair and helping her cover up bald spots. And I was just blown away. Like it, it literally made me sob because I had never seen that on television before. How long have you had these patches? You know, my sister Renee gets them too. These areas where the hair doesn't grow. What she has is called alopecia. So I think when I joined the show, it was just so exciting to be able to, because what you find out when you get on staff is that, you know, a lot of these stories come from the writers. Mm. You know, these are our personal lives. These are, that's why it feels so true and so real. And so I think that's what's so cool about it and why it has, you know, impacted a lot of people the way that it has. So. You know, I, I, I love that you said that you didn't even have to prep for the interview in that same way, because I felt the same way prepping for this interview. I was like, How, I don't, you know, I just want to talk about the show. I want to talk about, yeah. you know, I want to talk about you. I want to talk about the show. I want to talk about, um, you know, what 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 stories did you, were you excited to help craft during that, you know, the, that end of that run? Yeah, I mean, during the end of the run, I think for all of us, it was it was just about like, we had a lot of things that we had set up. We had a lot of, you know, loose ends that needed to be tied together. Um, and so, you know, I was really excited to see um, how we move from, because as you know, we go from, you know, all the way into like 2032 in the future. Right, 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 so um, there's a lot of like ground to cover as far as getting to that point. And um, I think, you know, it was very cool to be able to uh, revisit Beth's dancing story. I, did, I didn't at the time going into the final season, you know, I didn't know that that was something that Dan Fogelman, the creator, had, had been thinking to do. Um, so that was really cool to be able to just kind of see, okay, how did she sort of get to that Debbie Allen-esque Right. figure of this studio in the future you know what I mean right. um, so it was cool that we got to finish that story out um and yeah I mean it's just I feel like you know I feel like we landed you know <laughs> you know we, I have to say it was it was not plane. yeah it was not a disappointing ending you know like sometimes you'll see a show and you watch a show and it was you know you're like oh womp womp <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, you left them all in a good place. And I, I actually misspoke a little bit because I really meant the remainder of the run because, you know, in that uh, period that you, that four year period that you were with the show, it's like, you know, so much happened. I mean, one of, of course, 
the the most striking uh, storylines to me was, you know, always Randall's kind of search for his identity, his his family. But then also, you know, one of the things my producer was pointing out is like, you know, one of the things that's so cool about a series, you know, like we speak to a lot of people on this show and, you know, um, and a lot of people who write books, for instance, you know, that's mm -hmm. a, there's a lot of character development that goes on there, but it's an arc and it's like, you know, there's a start, <laughs> you know, there's a beginning, there's a middle, yeah. there's a finish. And obviously there's an arc in a series as well. But, you know, when you're stretching this out over years and years with these characters and you're living with them and you're living with their extended families and bringing more friends and family in, like, Tell me a bit about like that experience of like growing with these characters. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's it is interesting because when you are creating a television show, like the thing that you want to do is create, of course, the great characters. <clears throat> excuse me, interesting characters and storylines where you can have you know every single season you can have stories to tell. Right. And, you know, I think that was also the reason why Dan Fogelman decided that, you know, I, I know a lot of people didn't want the show to end, but I think it was the right time for it to end um, in season six, because especially the kind of show that we have, um, you know, after a while, it's like, if you're not, we're not breaking up any more marriages. We're not, you know, we don't want to go crazy with the type in, in sort of manufacturing drama and sort of kind of messing up the, you know, what was great about the characters just to have more story, right? So right. Um, I think it was great to have this, uh, not a lot of shows know when they're going to end. Sometimes, you know, as we know, shows get canceled. And um, so I think it was very cool to be able to know, we pretty much knew by the end of season three um, that it was ending on season six. Um, and we had, you know, some time to, set some things up but you know every season stuff changes we would go into the room and at the beginning of every sort of new season we spent quite some time sort of blue skying where we think these characters are going to go what their arcs are going to be that season and so things ebb and flow and change um i think you know you have an idea of like for instance that final episode mm -hmm. that was pretty much shot a lot of those things were shot um in season three because of the kid, you know, the kids mm -hmm. actors, obviously they're going to grow <laughs> and change and can't stop them from yeah. like their voices changing and deepening. And so, you know, that final episode, I think he had a very clear idea what that would be. But as far as, you know, where Randall was going to end up, you know, where Kevin was going to end up, like there was a lot of back and forth for many seasons on which woman Kevin was going to end up with, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so that stuff is like, that's what I think is really cool about TV because, you know, that stuff changes. And one season it's like, no, it's really good. It's going to be Sophie. It's going to be Sophie. And then, you know, the whole Madison thing and the right. twins thing. So um, I think it has a lot of room to to grow and change. And I think that's one of the great things of a, a great showrunner and creator is, you know, being open to to that. Um, having, a great, uh, having a vision and a blueprint, but also being open to the writers in the room and the discussion and how we're all feeling about, you know, about everything, so. So let's take a break. We are gonna come back with more Writing Black. 
The Griot Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the black perspective. Ready for real talk and black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Grio Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Grio Mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. Welcome back to Writing Black. We are going to continue our conversation with Ebony Freeman. Yeah, and you know, like, as you as you noted, a lot of the reason people responded to this show is because, um, A, they had never seen it, anything quite like that before, but there were so many relatable, relatable moments. And as we know, life is messy, right? Yeah. It's messy, it can be complicated, it's not always linear in the way that we think it is. Um, and you were talking about people really bringing their experiences to the table. Um, would you share with us some of the experiences you brought to the table during uh, your tenure with the show? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I think one of the biggest ones um, was, uh, so Our Little Island Girl, uh, part one, that, um, so I have a dance background. Okay. Um, and when, you know, Dan, at the time that I joined the show, they really wanted to, you know, they have been doing sort of those backstories of some of the characters. We learned a little bit more about their origin stories and I know like a lot of people were itching to see like Beth's backstory. Um, and so it was very much like on the agenda to season three, let's show Beth's origin story. And uh, Susan Kalechi Watson, who plays Beth, um, she has a dance background. And so it was sort of, and this was decided I think before I got there that she was going to have a dance background, but there was no other thing about it, just dance, okay? Right. <laughs> just generally dance. <laughs> now, I get in the room, and this is my first season, right? And at the beginning, when I got hired, you know, how it works, you get like a 20-week contract, then they decide whether they're going to extend you for 20 more weeks. They tell you that you may or may not get to write a script. So you're kind of sort of proving yourself in these first few weeks. And so as soon as we got to the best story... I'm like, no one else in the room had any sort of dance experience, background, anything. So I just sort of like start pitching my life story. Like I was a, a dancer primarily in ballet. My mom put me in it when I was like six or seven. And just like, I started talking about how it was to be, you know, a black girl in this white space, predominantly white space. And just, um, you know, just, the, the struggles with that and and that sort of morphed into what Beth's story became and how she had this dream and how, you know, and her relationship with her mom. You are not going to give up years of training. You're going to stick to the path you chose and you will be the best. I'm strong because of you. If you really want this, I'm still with you, but you're going to have to work ten times harder. Our little island girl. That was like directly my life. <laughs> In a very specific way, um, so yeah, that and 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 that got me the episode. So I was yeah. pitching in the room. The showrunners came in, Isaac and Elizabeth, um, and they go, you know, well, Ebony's writing this episode because none of us know what we would be doing at all. And yeah, so that was how I got my first episode. That's amazing, and I, I and we have you to thank for that storyline. I mean, that was <laughs> that storyline kept evolving, and I think 
you know, as you said, like her relationship with her mother, even, you know, like there was the frustration and the, and the, and I think for any of us creatives, you know, you, a lot of us have had, you know, careers that we followed that haven't really panned out the way we thought they were going to be. I mean, I was a musician before I was a journalist, right. You know, and I think like that, that to me, it rang so true in the way that, again, it wasn't linear, you know, she had a dream. It wasn't, the timing yes. wasn't right all the time. You know, there were challenges, there were letdowns, there were, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Okay, I, I can't do anything else. I have to go back. You know, I thought that that rang so true to creative life. Um, yeah. And so thank you. So let's take a break. We are going to come back with more Writing Black. Witty, honest, entertaining. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Grio Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Grio mobile app for all the black culture debates you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. Welcome back to Writing Black. We are going to continue our conversation with Ebony Freeman. But I also <laughs> think like, you know, that it, and and. Yes, Susan Kelsey Watson, if I'm not mistaken, Debbie Allen um, was one of her mentors. Uh, obviously, you know, Felicia was Felicia Rashad was her played her mother. And yes. I think that that dynamic, um, particularly, uh, you know, not to get all like, I mean, obviously, all mother daughter relationships are different. But I do think that, you know, um, I found it relatable having, you know, um, a mother who's you know, in one hand, you know, my best friend, right? Mm-hmm. But also, you know, your our mothers challenge us. They um they that is that is their job, right? To make yeah. sure that we're okay and, and how, you know, we really got to see her humanity. I mean, she ended up having an arc of like her humanity. Yeah. That's so cool to me. Um so yeah. this being your first gig, um what would you say that like this, you know, you, you kind of rose through the ranks in this show and got to play a lot of different roles, it seems. Um, what would you say that your takeaway was from from this experience of, of being on a show this expansive? Wow. Um, just as a writer or as? I guess, a, yes, as a writer, like growth, growth wise, like what, what in what ways do you feel like it stretched you and, and kind of yeah. grew you up? as a writer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I really did grow. I mean, really and truly grew as a writer on the show because I mean, like I said, it was my first ever staff writing gig and um, was on it for four seasons. Um, and I think that, you know, you learn so much because the great thing about a show like that is you are with writers who have been in the business for 15, 20 years, you know? And mm-hmm. so we have, you know, one of the writers on the show, Kevin Falls, he was, you know, Mr. West Wing. He had written on the West Wing and had his own, many of his own shows, you know? Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of these writers have have had their own shows as well. Um, and so you just, you, number one, you learn how to, I think, write, you know, sort of off authentic characters. I think especially with This Is Us, I really, really learned how to write in a way that just felt authentic, felt Mm -hmm. like um, where we were really getting to those emotional moments. Like we were really making sure that that stuff paid off. I felt like I really learned how to do that um, on the show. Um, Really just sort of getting to like A to Z with the character in a way that was like the most realistic on how it would happen like in life um 
And, um, I, you know, I learned a lot of, first of all, just the other great thing about the show is, and not every show is like this, but not only did we write, you know, not only did we break the story and write the episodes, but when it was your time, when it was your episode, you had the, you had to produce the episode. So, yeah. So that experience, I mean, from, you know, meetings with the director, tone meetings, concept meetings, wardrobe. I mean, your hands casting for, you know, the day players, the other, you know, um, you're on set the whole time. You are seeing, you are making sure, you know, our job on set is to make sure because, you know, there's different directors and TV that come in every episode and we're there to, you know, make sure that we, since we know what needs to, you know, why we wrote something and, and, and what emotions and what takeaways we need to have, we are on set to make sure that we get those performances that we need and, and get, you know, what we need for that, not just that episode, but we know what's going to happen a couple episodes later. And obviously the director doesn't know that. Um, and so all of that set experience has just been so invaluable there. You know, I know some writers who've been writing for a while and they're like, you know, I haven't gotten to be on set at all, you know, because that's just, that's just how some shows work. It sounds like another education altogether. It sounds like, you know, you like went to like college all over again for another four years. Like, that's amazing. So let's take a break. We are going to come back with more Writing Black. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the Black perspective. Ready for real talk and Black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Grio Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Grio mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. All right, let's dig back into it. Welcome back to Writing Black. I mean, I don't think we've seen this kind of excitement in black stories since maybe the 90s, early aughts. You know, <laughs> some of us are old enough to remember that. Um, you know, uh, and I think now, you know, it's not so, you know, even then, you know, it was much more like sitcom-y, that kind right. of thing. You can. Um, and yeah, yes. this is a lot. This time, okay. I mean, we're, we're getting to write, you know, these really nuanced and imperfect characters who are not there for comic relief or, you know, um, what advice do you have, if any, (laughs) to uh, writers trying to get into the game now? Because I I mean, I know there are so many. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, I was just I have this conversation a lot with, you know, of course, like with other writers and, um, you know, it's crazy because you wish, I always wish that I had a more concrete way of saying, because any other career that you would go into, it's like, if you want to be a lawyer, it's going to be hard. And it doesn't mean that everybody is going to make it to that point, but there is a clear path on how you became a lawyer. Like, you know, there's the path is there. Um, And I think with breaking into this business as a writer, and I know everyone's, it really is no clear path. And, um, but I think that the things that I can say to do that I think were, were really helpful for me and that I think I got a little bit later on in my 10 year journey to writing, I didn't really get it until 
maybe the last half of the journey, maybe, um, was that, you know, obviously you're writing, you're, 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 you're trying to continually work on your craft and be ready for when that door opens, when that per when you can, you know, hand off that script. But I think, you know, when you're working on that pilot or that feature, write, write a story, write stories that are authentic to who you are as a person, because a showrunner who, number one, when you write stories that are authentic to who you are or authentic to your experiences, and that doesn't mean that it's like autobiographical or anything of that nature, but it's like if I meet someone and they were like worked in a psychiatric ward for like 20 years, like, oh my gosh, why aren't you writing a pilot about a psych wardner? Like, you know what I mean? Right. Because I would you, watch that show. <laughs> right. And it, it, right. It would be good, number one. Right. Number two, you lived it so you're gonna write it in a way that somebody's reading it is gonna be like whoa like this feels super authentic specific um and it's probably gonna be you know you're gonna write it really well because you know you just have that lived experience and so the other thing is you know your point of view your you know you always hear you want to show your voice um your your writer's voice and so I think that's going to come through as well. And so when a showrunner is getting your script for a show, that's what they want to see because they're staffing their show. Obviously, anyone that comes across their desk is going to be technically know the, the, the craft of being a writer, but it's about your experiences. It's about your point of view. Like, what are you going to bring to that writer's room or that feature film script that you are telling this story for big time studio or whatever, what are you going to bring to it? That's different than the next person. Um, and I think that's, that's really what makes all the difference. And that's really, when I got that, when that clicked, um, that was really what changed the game. Like it, it really did. It changed the game and it made my stories, the things that I was writing, it made people take notice. So that would be my biggest. <laughs> I think that's, listen, I think that's a great advice. I mean, we're always hearing about like, write what you know, and that yeah. amazing Toni Morrison quote. But I think like you just kind yeah. of broke it down in a way that I, I actually really appreciate. So let's take a break. We are going to come back with more Writing Black. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything Black. Listen today on the Griot mobile app for all the Black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. Welcome back to Writing Black. We are going to continue our conversation with Ebony Freeman. Um, who are you loving in the space right now? Like who, who, uh, what of your contemporaries in the space? And I know that there are many. Who, yeah. what, what narratives have excited you recently? What, what, you know, what, what is exciting you right now? Yeah, I mean, gosh, what's great is there is so much TV. I mean, there's so much TV and it's almost like, there is no way to keep up with it all. Um, but it's also good that there's so much TV um, because there's work and there's, you know, opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there's been a lot of things that I've been um, enjoying. Um, I think, well, this, I think it, it's been this year. Um, it ended this year, but one of my favorite shows this year was Yellow Jackets. Um, I just 
I just love the whole concept. I love stories about women and it's like teenage girls, uh, soccer team, plane crashes. So you have like mean girls with so now like, it's Lord of the Flies, right? Yeah, Lord of the Flies. <laughs> like, dang it, it's great. It's awesome. Like, it's character. Like, I mean, I love anything that's like rooted in character. And I think um, Yellow Jackets balances that really well with the other sort of plotty stuff happening. Um, I really loved, I was surprised at um, Apple TV's um, Severance was another one. Like, uh, I didn't think it was gonna be like my kind of show, but it's just great storytelling and it's it was very original. I think it's based off of a book, I'm not totally sure. Um, but, and I think like P Valley is doing it, Katori. Listen. Katori listen. Hall. I wasn't, yeah, she, I wasn't ready for that one. That was when I was slow too, I'm gonna be honest. Okay, and yes. My boyfriend got me back into it. And all of a sudden I was like, how have I not, I want to see it every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Tori Hall is such a, I mean, she's a freaking award-winning playwright. And um, I got, I met her once a, lo a long time ago, but um, I think she is doing it right now. She is an amazing writer, creator. I'm like super excited to see, I'm sure, there's something else in the works already with her and in the TV space. And she was also um, a Sundance episodic um, alum, a way of, you know, in the first first year. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of things I think that I'm watching and I'm, I'm, I'm really loving and enjoying. And like well, I said, it's just literally like <laughs> so much. Well, you know, this is, I mean, you know, you've given us so much to work with, but I do need to know what, what's next for you. You know, how do you, you know, you're coming off of This Is Us. You're, I know you're heading back into the writing room probably momentarily. What's next for you? Yeah. Um, so let's see. I'm doing a lot of development. So I'm developing um, a television show with Amazon now. Um, so I'm c currently doing that. And um, I'm also uh, in a, well, as I said, I'm in a writer's room for a, uh, a show that um, Bad Robot is producing um, based on a book called My Glory Was I Had Such Friends. And so um, I'm excited about that too. Uh, one of the writers on uh, This Is Us, who's like fantastic, Julia Brownell, it, this is her show. And so um, she was so gracious to uh, bring me on and we just like the writer's room is fantastic just super smart women um, and so I'm currently doing that and I think you know in the future I also just want to I'm kind of getting back into my feature writing roots and so um, okay. working and developing in that space as well so hopefully you'll hear more from me in the feature space soon I have no doubt that we will, but I'm really glad that we got to hear from you today on Writing Black. Ebony Freeman, thank you so much for joining us and telling us thank the story you. of This Is Us. And I can't wait to see how your story continues to unfold. Thank you so much. This is so great. I was happy to be able to speak with you, so. Me too. So let's take a break. We are gonna come back with more Writing Black. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here. Everything you've been waiting for. Black culture amplified. Find your voice on the Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot Mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. Welcome back to Writing Black, y'all. 
You know, this is usually the time in the podcast where I talk about my favorites, you know, MAI favorites. Uh, but, you know, TV is such a, a different medium than, let's say, books or, you know, other other things. You know, this is something that, you know, we experience often at the same time as a community. And so I thought it would be fun for us to have a community chat about what we're watching and also let you meet some of the people who make this show happen. Uh, my co-producers, uh, Albert Parnell and Camille Cruz are joining me to discuss what we're loving in TV right now. Hey, guys. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I know I, str I struggled to get you guys to do this with me, but, you know, I can't just sit here and talk about TV by myself. What are you watching these days? Like, what are you loving? What have you loved recently? And what's exciting you specifically in Black television right now? For me, what I am finishing up was Issa Rae's Rap Shit on HBO. I was just excited to see, you know, a different side, like Issa Rae behind the scenes and to see like some of the things that she's thinking and, you know, just another side to her. It was a fun show, you know, and I, it was just nice to see. And if it really is like based off the City Girls, story it was interesting to see how they came together because <laughs> that's wild but yeah so that was nice you know I'm proud of to see proud to see like just Issa Rae's trajectory so that's been like really cool to just watch her whole evolution so yeah yeah I mean we her. I have to say Issa Rae is like the ultimate like glow up when we talk about like awkward the the arc from awkward black girl to right. you know where we are now I have to admit you know I <laughs> I'm gonna show up my age here so hard I tried to get into rap shit and I was like, this is like the TV equivalent to me of like walking into an urban outfitters at this age. Like I was like, oh my God, I'm too old. I'm like, I don't, I don't, it's not landing. I can't, I can't fit it. Oh, <laughs> Albert, <laughs> Albert, how about you? What, what have you been loving? Uh, I've been on um, the uh, all American spinoff. There's a, you know, the TV show All American about the uh, high school football player. But there's a <laughs> spinoff to that with this. Ah, gosh, I forgot her name, but she's a tennis player and she okay. goes to HBCU. And yeah. I've been watching that. I've been up on that. And I was like, oh, that is. I was like, this is pretty cool. I might you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, no. it's still All American. It's All American Homecoming. There we go. Okay. That's all American Homecoming. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. You know, I, I'm a big TV watcher, which, you know, is probably why with, if you ask me that question, I kind of draw a blank, but like stuff I kind of loved recently, you know, the stuff I love, I feel like nobody else likes, but I don't know. I got into, okay. So I did watch a show about sports recently. I, I got into Winning Time on HBO that yes. was like a thing that I got into I was yes. like kind of obsessed and I thought like the casting was really ridiculously good uh, yes. <laughs> I was like I was into Didn't that um... um you know I feel the limited series thing is a is a tricky thing because it's like you fall in love with the show like I fell in love with like I may destroy you right and I fell in love with Lovecraft yes. Country mm. um so that's always really tricky for me but I just like Ebony I am a huge fan of P-Valley like in ways that I did not think I was going to be when I started out. You know, you're just trying to support. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then sure. it's like, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. Mm. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Did either of you, was either of you a This Is Us fan? Were you, were you, I mean, I'm a super fan, but like, were you a This Is Us fan? Obsessed. Okay, thank obsessed. you. I was like, I, the pause scared me for a second there, Camille. I was obsessed with This Is Us. <laughs> 
really and truly like waiting. That's the only show that I knew the day it came out. I knew the right. time it came out. I'm ready and I'm waiting to watch right. it. Um, hearing Ebony talk about um, the dance scenes and like that, that um, My Dearest Daughter, I forgot the actual title of the episode, but yes, hearing her talk about those, it really took me back to like sitting there watching it because seeing those type of stories, she's so right seeing those type of stories. I love when they got into Beth's backstory. Um, mm -hmm. Even like Caribbean, um, yeah. you know, because there has been a lot of like black, more black American storytelling happening, but now mm -hmm. we're even getting into more layers and like the diversity of black people in general. And now talking mm -hmm. to like black Caribbean and like Caribbean American, um, which is, you know, a slightly different um, history and, um, you know, path than like Black Americans. So just seeing in a show like This Is Us on primetime um, television, you know, sharing these type of stories, it was just love, like amazing, amazing. Like yeah. something that all of my whole family could watch, we could all relate to. So it was just so nice to see like, you know, her parts in it and to hear how passionate she was about it just as much as us watching it. So that's like super cool. Albert, how about you? Uh, I did watch This Is Us, and you I can, loved you it. You cried. It's okay. You can say No, let me just say, no, I loved it. But I watched <laughs> This Is Us for, uh, I wanted to see how the, the, the father died, right? Like, Jack. I wanted to see it. Yeah, I wanted to see how okay. Jack died. So I was really into that story. I was like, how did this happen? And then I found out how it happened. I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I was like... I came here for an answer. So much more happened, yo. I, I so know much more happened. I, but I literally wanted to see that, and I got it, and I was satisfied. I was like, I'm here. I, my heart they was made fulfilled. You, it was there. They made you wait a long time for that, though. You had to watch a couple of seasons to get, yes. to get that answer. You had to think that he died four times before he actually died. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, this episode, this is it. I know what's going to happen this episode, and then nothing. Nothing. Got I us really crying thought, for, for something else. <laughs> I, I honestly thought he was going to pass away when he was drinking and driving. I was like, oh, that is... You can't... This I was like, it. that's just going to be a bad message that you could drink and drive and not die. Right? I was like, so he has to pass away. But no, he didn't. And in the end, no. it was a crock pot and a dog. <laughs> I know. Crazy. It was. And I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to be honest. I, I blame Kate. I do. I do. Kate, we can't. I don't even want to get into how much Kate has stressed me the whole <laughs> the whole show. But I agree. There have been I times where I'm like, Katie girl, Katie girl. <laughs> I blame Kate as well. I'm like, I would have. Great, I blame Jack too because I would have been like, hey man, that dog only got five more years to live anyway, so it's <laughs> it's not. It's not that important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, like, look, we, we could joke on This Is Us for days, but I do think, you know, to Camille's point, like, this was one of those bonding moments that I don't, I think, you know, with this predominantly white cast, or at least initially, I would not have expected us to latch on to as much as so yeah. many of us did. And I, I'm so glad it existed. I'm so glad that they really had representation in that room the way they should have and really encouraged yeah. those writers to tell their stories. I know for me, the the storyline that always stuck out to me the most was Randall's adoption story and his, um, really actually his quest for his parents. Adoption's a part of my family and my extended family. So 
you know, uh, that narrative really hit home with me, particularly when, with his mother, you know, when we finally closed yes. that loop, I thought was just um, amazing and poignant and beautiful. And I sobbed like a freak. <laughs> so yeah, so sure. I have to, you know, and, and listen, it was a, it was a cathartic show. I, I, I cried. I, I, okay. I cried a lot, but uh, <laughs> I cried a lot, a lot watching that show, you know, and I mean, but at the same time, I'd be mad whenever there was like a presidential address on because I'd be like, I got to spend my Tuesday night with Trump. No, <laughs> I, I would say the, the, the one that uh, stuck out to me, which is probably going to be an interesting one is when the mom is when they did the flashback when Randall was a kid. And she went up to the black family asking them how to do Randall's hair or how to cut his hair right. and, and yeah. stuff. And I was all like, huh. I was like, cause I know there's a lot of times I see little black kids walking around. I'm like, just come to me. I could fade you up nicely. Just, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, so I could, I could understand. And I have a lot of uh, friends that, you know, have mixed kids and their, their moms come to my wife and ask them like, what do I do with this? Like, I have no, yeah. Right. idea how to how to deal with this so it's like you know they had a lot of real uh yeah. real life situations in there yeah i mean so I think, real like, that nuance was so was what made the show win for such a long time and let it go out on a high point and mm -hmm. thank you guys for helping us go out on a high point on this episode and you know letting our listeners also see the talent behind the scenes instead of just seeing me all the time so thank you albert and camille for giving me your two cents on tv and we'll see you next week for another episode of Writing Black. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Writing Black. As always, you can find us on the Grio app or wherever you find your podcasts. Hey, Grio fam. It's Maisha Kai, host of Writing Black on the Grio Black Podcast Network. And I have a little treat for you. Not only has Writing Black been blessed to have as a guest acclaimed actor Omar Epps, but Omar and his publishers, Delacorte Press, have a little treat for you. That's right. Omar is giving away signed copies of his debut YA fiction, Nubia, The Awakening, co-written with Clarence A. Hines, to some lucky subscribers. But you heard that right, subscribers. If you want to get your hands on a signed copy of Omar Epps' YA debut, you've got to subscribe to Writing Black. You can subscribe on the on the Grio Black Podcast Network or anywhere you find your podcast, but you got to post it. You got to take a screenshot, post it, and tag us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. That's right. All you got to do is subscribe to Writing Black wherever you listen to your podcast and tag the Grio Black Podcast Network. And you too can have a personally signed copy of Nubia the Awakening by Omar Epps himself. So hit that subscribe button. Do it. You know you want to. Don't you want to spend Sundays with us? Come on. You love writing black. And we love you. You're watching the Blackest Questions podcast with Christina Greer. In this podcast, we ask our guests five of the blackest questions so we can learn a little bit more about them and have some fun while we're doing it. Okay, so this is a trick question. We're also going to learn a lot about black history, past and present. Beautiful. I learned a wonderful fact today. Great. So here's how it works. We have five rounds of questions about us, black history, the whole diaspora, current events, you name it. With each round, the questions get a little tougher. Oh, you got me, you got me. Uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. I have no idea. I knew you were going to go there, Dr. Greer. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone you know. 
The Griot Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the black perspective. Ready for real talk and black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot Mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard.